0: Hello and welcome to Ask Marketing Live, episode one. Hopefully you all can hear me. We have just learned to how to perfect um, the Crowdcast software. So hopefully uh, you're all on board. My name is Wes Yee. I'm joined today by Joanne Martin. How's it going?
1: I am living the dream. How are you doing?
0: Uh, also living the dream. Uh, <laughs> we'll have to come up with a good welcome slogan as we go, but uh, excited to have all of you here joining us today. Um, to talk through some of the the best, the worst, the most interesting stories across marketing, answer some questions from our Revenue Collective channel and just kind of uh, have a good time, hopefully, on a Tuesday morning where I am, afternoon, probably for for most of you um, further east than myself. Um, But why don't we just jump right in and kind of go through some intros since this is our first episode. Probably nobody knows who we are except for our friends and family who've joined the call. Um, but yeah, we'd, we'd kick off with some introductions. Who are we? I didn't
1: we? realize we were inviting fam- friends and family. And now I realize how few friends I actually have and how many of them are actually in revenue collectives. So that's sad.
0: I, I wouldn't be a good marketer if I wasn't trying to boost the numbers with any, <laughs> every, every channel possible, including family group texts. But uh, I, I do see some people that uh, have neither of our last names. So potentially some folks not to us as well. <laughs> Um, well, we thought, yeah, we thought we'd just kind of kick off with some icebreakers uh, and, and get to know each other and, uh, and maybe some of the audience as well. Love to see the um, shout outs from people who they are, where they're from. Yeah, please do um, participate in the chat. We very much want it to be um, a bit of a hangout, but uh, we'll start off with something I'm famous for, which is terrible Photoshop jobs uh, <laughs> and, uh, and a few a few icebreaker questions. So maybe we'll just just jump right in. Um, yeah let's do it so uh, a quick a quick glance at your LinkedIn or your revenue collective profile uh, tells me that you are the VP of marketing at search spring uh, yeah. but how do you explain to people what you do for work maybe people who aren't digital marketers
1: oh I completely gloss over it and I say oh I'm in marketing and then if they care enough to ask what that means Uh, I'll get into it, but I'm going to be honest. I think maybe one person in my life has cared enough to ask what that means. (laughs) Um, and there may have been beer involved at the time. So I don't, I don't often get into detail on what I do. Um, one day maybe someone will care and they'll be like, Oh, that's marketing. That's fascinating. So like, do you hold the sign outside of the apartment complex or what is, what is your gig? Uh, but that day is not. That day sure. has not arrived yet.
0: <laughs> how the about you? How, do you? how do
1: you answer that question?
0: <laughs> um, usually I end up with some reference to advertising because for some reason people seem to be much more comfortable uh, understand or at least they've interacted with advertising more commonly than marketing, even though um, they are, of course, tightly related. Um. So I typically go down that direction, and then I just kind of go off like a bulleted list of things that I do. And so I sort of describe the different channels we work on, uh, some of the different deliverables that we produce for for the company, um, and just hope that a couple of those stick.
1: <laughs> and you're so you're. <laughs> title is head of growth, right?
0: Correct. Yeah. And uh, so how
1: and- do people respond to that? Because that's not sales or marketing. Like, are you a gardener? I like, is there ever confusion around what growth means?
0: Yeah, it's either that or they think that I just lift weights all day.
1: Um, <laughs> no, nobody, nobody, that would nobody be else. head of gains. I think that's a different position. Yeah, yeah.
0: We'll have to get that one out. I've got I've got some sets to do before I can get that out to my title. But um <laughs> Yeah, so for us, and I think it's one of those titles that has become and is becoming more and more common, um, at least in my context, it means growth marketing. And so uh, really for, for Guru, which I, I guess we didn't introduce the fact that we work for companies. Um, I work for a company called Guru. Uh, we're a knowledge management solution. Um, uh, my responsibility is to the top of the pipeline. Uh, so helping the company grow in that way, getting people to uh, get to know us and hopefully um, have uh, good experiences with us.
1: Awesome.
0: And, and sort of how, to, yeah, like maybe go one level deeper on what you're focused on and, and what you've got going on over at SearchSpring.
1: Yeah. So I'm, I'm VP of Marketing at SearchSpring um, and we are on a tear this year. Uh, in, organically and in terms of acquisition, we've doubled the company this year. Um, so because we're in e-commerce, it has been, uh, I feel very fortunate for this, a very active and very exciting year for us. Um, despite the world spiraling out of control and everything that we've navigated <laughs> in, in that process, um, we do have some pretty cool stories coming out of our customer base. Uh, we do merchandising automation, so it's a good time for it. Uh, e-commerce is all time high, just basically black Friday all year long. Um, so right now we're working on telling those stories, which has been a lot of fun.
0: Yeah, I can imagine uh, <laughs> in a year like this, that uh, your plan coming into the year probably has not uh, has not slowed down at all.
1: Not at all. Well, I had an amazing plan coming into this year uh, and we were gonna do all of these amazing pop-up events and dinners and like a road show and a partner tour. And we actually just expanded into Australia and we had an entire roadshow planned for that. We were gonna expand uh, elsewhere. I won't name that yet, that's still coming. Um, and so all of the in-person things kind of fell apart, uh, but we've been able to shift that budget to some other fun stuff, so that's been good. How about you? You're at Guru and the whole world is like trying to figure out how, how to communicate online. How, what has it been like for you? Where's your focus this year?
0: Yeah, it's been interesting. So kind of right off the bat, um, just because of what our product is, uh, we sort of leaned really hard into the remote work uh, movement. Yeah. Um, and so kind of uh, right there with Zoom and Slack and, and other technologies who are really designed for people to to work not only uh, in, in a distributed way in different places, but also um, in an asynchronous way. Um, so, you know, especially now, we know that with people who have, all these other responsibilities who have sort of been blended together, and their schedules have been thrown in all out of whack. Whether it's kids or or other you know other things going on, um, just making it easy for people to to have the information they need uh, when and where they need it uh, when they can't reach over and tap the person next to them um, at, at the office. So um, yeah, we've seen kind of a lot of a lot of movement there. Companies who uh, either had started or, or, are, or were just getting started, um, moving to the remote work. Uh, <laughs> world. Uh, so helping a lot of companies like that. And then uh, some existing customers who maybe use this for one team, really, uh, you know, expanding uh, company wide and, and getting everybody access to, to the tool.
1: Yeah, I and mean, we did not plan this for the webinar, but we do use Guru at Search Spring. Uh, and it has been so awesome. I will not use this to pitch Guru, uh, but it's been so helpful as we acquire multiple companies and try to organize knowledge uh, has been a lifesaver having all of that in Slack. It's awesome.
0: Much appreciated. Yeah.
1: Bravo uh, for what you guys are for doing.
0: For the free plug. Uh, I have yeah. one of my, <laughs> I have one of my dogs scratching at at the door to this, to this room. Um, so I may jump them and get it, but I'll use that as a segue to get to a couple of our lightning round fun questions, yes. um, on the list. And the first one, I'm pretty sure you added this one uh, <laughs> is the hot dog a sandwich.
1: So, Is it? And people, by the way, you can answer in the chat because this is an ongoing debate at Spring. We have monthly all hand meetings and there's always a live Q&A where the CEO will answer live Q&A questions. And every single month someone asks this question. So I would like to settle it for us once and for all. So if you guys on the line have an opinion, is a hot dog a sandwich? Yes or no. Drop it in the chat. Let us know. Uh, but Wes, what I want your thoughts on this? Is a hot dog a sandwich?
0: My personal take is no. <laughs> um, I, I think a sandwich needs to have two distinct pieces of bread. Um, so I, I you know, I guess you could you could turn a hot dog into a sandwich,, uh, but it depends it depends on the format. <laughs> How do you answer the question?
1: <laughs> That's fair. So theoretically, then you could put a hot dog on two pieces of bread. And it would be a hot dog sandwich thing. Following that logic.
0: Sorry. By Trevor, the way, I, it Trevor, would not
1: be 2020 if someone's dog wasn't. My, oh my god! My gosh. dog. Yeah. So this oh, is Trevor's his,
0: his third birthday today. So he has a lot to say. Um, but yeah, I'll admit to have actually done the hot dog sandwich, where you take a hot dog, put it on two pieces of bread because you don't have a hot dog bun, and uh, and it actually becomes a sandwich. So. I think it it could go either way. It's it's up to uh, <laughs> it's up to your own personal definition. Where do you start?
1: <laughs> on it? Um, I say no, um, okay. but there is an entire blog. I think it's called the Cube Theory, where it determines what a thing is based on like how bread sits relative to a cube around the substance of the thing. So, like, if it is a full cube, then it is a calzone. And if it's only three sides of the cube, it's a taco. I don't know if I fully follow that either, but <laughs> I love someone to
0: put this level of analysis into it. I'm sure there's a, a Schrodinger's hot dog uh, to come out of to come out of this as we get deeper into it. it.
1: it is a hot dog and it is not a hot dog at the same time. I got it.
0: I gotta, I gotta <laughs> put this hot dog down for a minute. Uh, <laughs>
1: So, right. so I have to ask you a lightning round question then yeah. because this one is just burning and I have to know and I'm sure everyone on the call is just dying to know the answer to this. Okay. Um, what inanimate object would be the most annoying if it played loud, obscene music while it was being used?
0: Probably I'm, I'm just looking around at things near me because they tend to be <laughs> things that are are, are, are like uh, around me often. I'm going to say... I was going to say a water bottle because I I have a water bottle near me like 24-7, but I'll just give a weird answer. How about a wallet? It would be really awkward if every time you pulled your wallet out, it just started playing loud, obnoxious music that drew attention to you. But yeah, I don't know. Do you, I, I imagine you probably have a better answer to this one.
1: Uh, I had not thought about it. I wanted to know what you thought. <laughs> but when you say that, I think like If you could program the music and every time you're open your wallet, it was like dollar dollar bills, y'all. That would be kind of amazing. So if you could program it, yes. But like I would think maybe like a doorknob would be pretty horrible if every time you walked into your office, like really loud obscene music started playing.
0: I I kind of go the other way because as someone who grew up playing a lot of sports, the idea of a walkout song is yeah. very attractive and very exciting. And so, so
1: right. <laughs>
0: every time I threw a door open, it played some kind of like jock jams. <laughs> like everybody, you know, I'm not going to sing on this.
1: Oh, please do. Episode, don't don't but, stop uh, on my account.
0: Yeah. Karaoke hour starts uh, at the top of the hour, but yeah. Uh, yeah, so I might, I might go the other way. Actually, unrelated, um, I, do, I did have a friend who every time, I think she did it probably only up into her teens, but she told me that she did it very, with, with great consistency. Every time she threw a door open, she would shout Narnia with hopes that <laughs> she would in fact uh, have discovered the, uh, was it the secret, secret cupboard? I don't remember the, the specifics. But um, yeah, another, another tip out for, 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 for right. the audience there. All right, so
1: I want to hear from someone listening to, like, what would be the most annoying inanimate object to play loud obscene music? So if you guys are thinking as we're talking, drop something in the chat. Let us know what you think.
0: Absolutely. And and by the way, part the other part of the reason for this is not just for us to, to make jokes, but uh, hopefully some of these questions are useful for you as you're interviewing people. I know um, anytime I listen to anything, I hear people start to ask each other questions, uh, I start like pull out my phone and start taking notes on, on anything that might be a good interview question. So we'll do maybe a couple more of these and hopefully yeah. um,
1: we'll so- bring it down to earth a little bit, give you something <laughs> good to work with.
0: We'll see. I don't know. I have a hard time not escalating um, <laughs> improv, but, uh, here's, here's one that, that I, I love to ask people because i I just get such a diversity of, of answers on it. And, the, and that question is, uh, what is something that you believe to be true that most people disagree with? And so there's a couple elements here, that, a, a qualifier really, that says that it has to be something that most people would not agree with you, with, but it's actually something that you you hold tight to. Uh, I'll let you think about it for a second because it's it's a kind of a two parter. My I answer. Can... Oh, do you yeah. have one?
1: You haven't ready. Go ahead. No. I, well, my initial gut reaction was that there could possibly be an answer to that question. Because there's no way I know what everyone thinks is true. Um, but my second one, which is just as much of a brain teaser a little bit, is that I, don't, I believe that two things can be true at the same time. And while a lot of people, I think, think they believe that don't act that way in life, that like two things that seem to be polar opposites can't coexist. Uh, So that would be my go-to on that question is like, I think two things can be true at the same time. And if we're honest with ourselves in the way we think through problems, uh, something is apparently collapsing outside. I don't know if that was very loud. Um, If we're honest with ourselves in the way we think through problems, thinking through problems and allowing two outcomes to be true can give us an entirely different perspective on problems. I take it. Yeah, what's yours?
0: You're hired. (laughs)
1: <laughs> I'm very happy at search spring but thank you <laughs> <It's an
0: honor. laughs> um my, my answer to this one is uh, and, I, and it's, I'm not good at reminding myself that this is my answer but um, when I deal with particularly frustrating people who, who either aren't are doing something that that I would like whether it's someone I, I think like being in traffic and getting cut off by some a bad driver is kind of the the uh, the ultimate example of this but um I, I try to position it as, gosh, that person who's not super competent at this one thing, even though I'm maybe <laughs> I'll exaggerate a bit the victim of their uh, incompetence. you know sometimes it's someone you work with, there's some, a service provider, who knows. Um, uh, I like to look at it the other way and sort of think like, wow, well, if you know if everybody was was a better driver, Uh, then I'd actually be the worst driver in the world. Um, So it's kind of just like (laughs) sort of like focus it back on yourself and say like, well, it's probably in my self-interest that not everyone is better at this one thing than I am, or I would uh, then comparatively not be as valuable or useful. Um, so, kind so of. a you're bit
1: more run. interested in your own ranking on the leaderboard than you are in the general safety of everyone on the road. <laughs> <laughs> I'm not judging. I'm just asking a clarifying question. <laughs> I am
0: definitely that sort of generic male who played a lot of sports and just loves looking at like power rankings and 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 doing those sorts of comparisons. So both a flaw and something that helps me uh, sleep sleep a little better at night.
1: I hear you have a sports podcast. We won't get into that today, but
0: I'll ask. No, but yeah, if you want, I can throw a football pick in uh, at the end.
1: (laughs) Um, So someone asked, can you give an example of the two things being true? Um, So I'll rely for sake of argument here on a really easy and kind of lazy example. So politics are big in people's psyches right now. Um, I think a Republican candidate and a Democratic candidate can both be good candidates. I'm not saying that I believe that in this particular scenario, but I think that if we allow ourselves to be too binary at a high level, then we miss a lot of the nuances that we really should be talking about or thinking through. And you can carry that into sales and marketing too. Like it can be the the gut reaction to be uh, like, oh, uh, sales isn't closing enough, marketing isn't providing enough leads, and then feeling like you have to choose one or the other. But maybe both are true at the same time, and you just have to dig in and figure out what's broken in each side of the equation. Um, Those are really high-level examples, but if you take that kind of mental model and apply it elsewhere, then you can start to think beyond that high-level binary true or false answer.
0: Almost like a... uh... It's almost one of those logical fallacies that where people sort of present two opposing things and say, you must pick one. Yes. Um, yes. And there may actually be a third, or it may be that those aren't actually competing uh, viewpoints. I love logical fallacies. Uh, yes. So that can be a recurring segment going forward, too, if we wanted it to be.
1: Love it, add it <laughs> to the list. <laughs> um, Rachel asked, do unpopular opinions count for this question? I don't like board games or the show Friends. No, you're wrong, because <laughs> board games and Friends are both awesome. <laughs> <laughs>
0: <laughs> oh. All right. Uh, one more of these?
1: Uh, yeah, let's do one more. One more.
0: All right. How about, uh, we'll do a timely one. What's your best or worst new pandemic habit?
1: <sighs> um, baths. I don't know if that's appropriate in a public webinar, but I never, I was always like a two minute shower person. And now I have all this time. And I'm like, let's take a Epsom salt bath. Like, I'm running and I'm tra- uh, training for a trail race right now. And I always underestimated Epsom salt in terms of recovery. So that's been, a g- I guess, a good uh, new habit.
0: Yet another tip for the listener to take home.
1: Yeah, this is so actionable. People are kind of like <laughs> scribbling notes. These
0: are the marketing tips we've been, we've been for. Um, I'd think my, my, my worst habit is by far dessert has become a consistent part of my, uh, consumption and uh,
1: oh, what's your go-to,
0: uh, yeah, that's probably part of the problem is there isn't one, um, dark <laughs> chocolate has, is in, is in, uh, is in the rotation right now. Um, but, uh, yeah, there've been a few of those Trader Joe's peanut butter cups. Really Ooh,
1: just the best. I haven't tried them.
0: Um, all right. Well, yeah, thanks for,
1: <laughs> so those of you who are listening and joining in on chat, uh, try an epsom salt bath and some dark chocolate it'll be a nice calming evening for you you're winning combo yeah
0: tell them ask marketing sent (laughs) you and speaking of ask marketing should we jump into the best of the channel so let's do it i know we've got a number of revenue collective members here shout out to all of you yes um if you aren't a member of the revenue collective i will be sharing a link uh later on in the presentation and we certainly encourage you um, to check it out. Uh, but in the meantime, we're going to kind of do our own little marketing focus here and take some of the best questions from the channel, from our Ask Marketing Revenue Collective channel, um, and just, just chat through some of them. And yeah. uh, we give uh, some advice, some sage wisdom, um, some potential criticism, I don't know, we'll see where it goes.
1: I know. And, and don't tell Revenue Collective, because then they're going to think we're giving... <laughs> and maybe we'll get in trouble and won't get to do this again. And it's been really fun so far. So just keep it between. Is it, us isn't this marketing? Closest friends. <laughs> yes. yes.
0: Um, cool. All right. Well, let's let's jump in with one that I think uh, the question is a bit specific, and I think many of these are. But uh, I kind of feel like we could take it in a broader direction. And so there's a question someone was asking just about uh, like Facebook marketing 101, and I feel like that's that that's a particular channel that changes. Uh, especially this year has changed quite a bit for a lot of different reasons but I wanted to just kind of get your take overall on Facebook as a channel Um, and I know for Revenue Collective we have a lot of B2B um, so we can look at that angle Uh, we could look at the angle of sort of like morally Facebook advertising um, since that's become one of the stories of the year Uh, so I'll throw it out to you take take it any way you like
1: oh man this is not my strength so I will start by saying, when it comes to a channel that you're not confident in, hire someone who's really good at it. And that's what I tend to do with Facebook and Instagram, um, because they are channels and platforms that are somewhat unique in terms of, well, organically, but also in terms of their ad algorithms. Um so I don't handle that, um, which is a good thing because we'd fail miserably. Um, I have an amazing person on my team, Agatha, who handles all of our ads and I have an amazing media producer who also does a lot of our organic social. Um, and then we're right now working on bringing an agency to help us uh, double what we're already doing. So um, my, my best piece of advice I can give on Facebook is hire someone who knows what they're doing or you're going to fail miserably or you're luckier than I am. <laughs> <laughs> Two things can be true at the same time. <laughs>
0: yeah, my my quick point would just be uh, test, test, test. Take a small small amount of budget, a very simple workflow um, that you want your prospects to do, um, and and just test it out, see how it goes. Uh, but yeah, there's no need to go all in on these things. You don't need to come up with some 40 slide strategic plan. Just take a shot, see how it goes, and if it's right for you, um, you'll probably figure it out very quickly.
1: Yeah. Uh, All right. And, and people, I will keep saying this, but for those of you listening, if you have shout outs to jump in on chat and tell us quick tips, everyone else can learn from them as well. Um, and we'll put them in a roundup at the end and share them in their revenue collective channel. That way people can learn from everyone else as we go through this.
0: Absolutely. All right. Uh, next one here. Um, is really a question about around rejuvenating opportunities in your pipeline, um, you know, ops that have been marked as stale, potentially uh, leads that have gone inactive. Um, yeah, I think this person is really just looking for some ideas. Any anything that's that's worked particularly well for you, or, or maybe something that hasn't worked well?
1: Um, I, I've seen a lot of things tried in terms of like pipeline or deal acceleration. Um, We don't do much now at Searchspring. I think that's a gap and an opportunity for us uh, to be a little more creative about it. Uh, We do have some cool stuff planned for the next quarter in terms of uh, like more personalized gifts for some of our target accounts. Um, We have recently announced actually a personalization engine that we acquired. Uh, So we are doing a whole personalization campaign around that for deal acceleration. So we'll do like a little personalized gift as a cheeky little thing. Um, In the past, I've seen, depending on your deal size, um, showing up at at someone's door can be really great at deal, (laughs) a really great deal acceleration tactic. Um, In a previous company, I had a rep that would literally print out a contract and show up at someone's office and just walk around with a blue pin until he found the right door. Um, But those were like, 18 month sales cycles. They're huge, like half a million dollar deals. Um, I don't think I'd fly people out if your average deal size is like $29 a month. (laughs) Uh, But I mean, maybe for a big account that you really want to win, you want the logo. Uh, But I think some I will say that sometimes as marketers, especially we try to get too cute with it um and forget that sometimes just being really personal and picking up the phone or sending an email can be one of the best tactics um so if you're not doing anything now i would definitely start there um and and in terms of content for marketing um i have seen negative case studies work really well um and this concept is Uh, someone who, it's not actually a negative case study, but it starts out by talking about all the reasons someone was trying to decide not to go with your platform. And then at the end of the case study, it flips into the positive. Um, But usually when someone's kind of stalled in a decision cycle, they're thinking like, oh, is it the right time? Is it gonna take too many resources to onboard? Uh, Is it a priority for us? We have four other things my team's working on right now. do I really want to go advocate for budget for it? Because like, I think my boss is in a bad mood this week. Whatever thing is stalling it, um, kind of highlighting all of those negatives can really draw someone into them being like, oh, okay, other people have had all of these hesitations that I'm having. And here's wh- how they actually finally made the leap and then jumped into it and it worked for them. So I've seen those work in the past. Um, but Wes, I would love to learn from you as well. I, these are things I'm always looking out for good ideas on.
0: I love that idea. We we haven't used it um, as part of our our like sales process so much, but um, I've had success using that for like events. Like how do you get how do you justify um, the expense of and the time to to come out to events? So we we've put those out typically before we throw an event um, so that uh, we can kind of. Arm, arm our prospects with uh, with that justification. so it totally makes sense to do in part as part of the deal um, For us you know I think one of the things that we've tried to do is really look at how you know what tactics got the person interested in the first place. Um, mm-hmm. And so if it was something like you mentioned a, a customized gift, if it was something like where we sent them a direct mailer and, and that that was what hooked them in, um, then go back to that and, and send them something something else something else relevant. Um, I know for me, uh, as you guys saw earlier, I have uh, well, I actually have four dogs. I think we I only saw one or two. Um, but uh, all the direct mail vendors uh, love sending me dog stuff. And that is always, uh, especially since these guys chew through that stuff so quickly, um, welcome gift and a, and a good way to get a response out of somebody. Um, and uh, And so, I, yeah, I would encourage you to just sort of you know look at, dig into the data, look at look at how this person has been engaging with you as a company, look at your content. Um, and what tactics were effective in getting their attention in the first place, and, and maybe double down and go back to those. Um, so, awesome. uh, yeah, I was going to say we had a, we had a question come in the chat that that is a, a little tied to uh, one of the questions that we had on our list, and it was if it would be great if we could discuss how to build a framework for effective B two B demand gen. Um, you probably need to hire people for that. That's a whole job uh, to come up with a marketing strategy for a B two B business um but you know just tying it to to one of the questions um that we had ahead of the session um just around let's see up above oh uh what what like what's what are some resources uh that people can can look at as they're starting to to build their team to build this function um within their company yeah curious if you have any specifics uh you know books podcasts uh videos any sort of content that you like or or go back to you on a regular basis
1: um, um- Revenue Collective is one. <laughs> um, so I, I have an amazing demand gen director, and she kills it. So I, I, I would echo your your sentiment, which is hire really strong person in that position. Um, my my favorite pe- d- demand gen people I've worked with are just straight up hustlers, but they know what they're doing. Um, and so they can put a strategy together that's going to accelerate much faster than just piecing something together your first time. Um, if you are not in a position to hire someone right now, um, so someone mentioned the Dave Gerhardt B2B Marketing Leaders podcast. That is a great resource. Um, I am a HubSpot fangirl, so I read a lot on HubSpot's content. Um, and, uh, yeah, I feel like I find my information all over the place. Um, at any given time I'm reading something from ad or something from someone I follow on LinkedIn. Um, yeah, I don't, where do you get your demand gen ideas?
0: Yeah. I mean, you kind of, uh, mentioned one of them right there, which is just following effect following yeah. great marketers. Um, and, and Dave is definitely one of those. Um, And so, uh, you know, getting to know some of these people, marketers tend to be uh, very welcoming to connections and follows and interaction on social platforms. So whether it's following people on LinkedIn or on Twitter, um, I've had, you know, so many new relationships come out of that and and, and met a lot of awesome marketers. So I would definitely um, encourage you to start with that. Uh, Revenue Collective. Absolutely. You mentioned that, I think, just to give kind of some color to that. If you're not in the community, um, what's so awesome is, you know, all these questions that we have on a daily basis as marketers have probably been asked and answered by somebody within that community. Um, there's I think uh, coming up on 4000 members and and these are people in senior roles. So definitely um, just an, an awesome chance to, to to get to know and, and tap into some of that um, expertise. One, one other thing I would I would just add is like a tip of advice here is uh, with any company, you're going to have uh, like a variety of skill sets on that team, and so I, I just wouldn't want to, uh, you know, put people into a box and say like, "Hey, here is my comprehensive demand gen strategy. Everyone needs to fall into this." Really, just look at the look at the team that you have, and say if you got someone who's a great Facebook marketer, well, that should be probably be one of the core pillars for you because that's what that person's core competency is, and asking them to. Do a podcast if they've never done that is probably not going to deliver for you in the same way or or certainly not as quickly so leaning into the skill sets of of, uh, you know things that that people are already good at is a great place to start um but yeah otherwise just uh yeah follow other marketers and and they're all willing to share that's what i found with marketers
1: yeah you i mean just reaching out to people on linkedin that you see doing a good job can be a great start Uh, christopher asked what makes my demand gen director a rock star Um, For the sake of time, I'll give you just a quick high level because I could go on forever about her. Um, But one, she's very uh, data oriented and data savvy, which I think is a strong skill set for a demand gen person, regardless of their uh, place in the hierarchy of the organization. Um, You want someone who almost operates mentally like a salesperson in terms of hitting numbers, Um, And so as opposed to having someone in brand who is much more about the long term uh, impact of the brand or the story or your content or your media strategy, someone in demand gen is living for that pipeline. For us, it's pipeline, pipeline number. Like, are we hitting our pipeline goals? If we're not, it's a daily exercise of which channels are working, which aren't, why they should constantly be measuring um, impact of any activity on those KPIs pipeline and then walking it back. Um, Are you getting a return on your marketing spend, Um, regardless of how you measure that? That could be an entirely different episode. Um, But you really want someone who sits and owns that. Um, As a marketing leader, it can be really tempting to want to do all of that yourself. But having someone really strong in that demand gen seat who's leading a team based on those numbers can really accelerate how you're uh, growing that function in your team. So start with someone who's going to come in and in the interview, ask like, all right, what are your KPIs? Where are you landing against them right now? Uh, what do you think is working and what's not working? How do you measure attribution? Like all of those are types of questions I would want to get from a potential director of demand gen. Perfect. Yeah. yeah,
0: I mean, exactly right. I think of the demand gen role, whoever's heading that up for you as almost like the the race engineer in Formula One, where that's the person yeah. who's checking, they, they've got the tire temperatures, they know the track temperature, they know how much fuel you have, uh, they know what the aerodynamics are telling them, and they can kind of put together all those ingredients, synthesize them and come back to you with recommendations, plans, ideas. Um, and so very much, yeah, centering it on on the data focus. I, yeah, totally, totally agree.
1: Yeah. And, and you'll know you have found the right one if you can't keep up with them. <laughs> that person on <laughs>
0: Um, well, let's close out with kind of a fun one on, on the Ask Marketing. Uh, this one came in today, I think. You find yourself with a little extra budget. And I think, um, you know, just hearing about your plan this year, it sounded like you found yourself with potentially a lot of extra budget from some of those um, event investments that you've been planning to make. Um, but let's say in, in, this, in this scenario, you're a B2B company, you're selling a niche product, you have $10,000 to use on anything uh, we'll say it's 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 got to apply to your pipeline. It can't just be, uh, you know, new Pelotons for for everybody in your household. Uh, but what would you spend it on uh, today?
1: Oh, I'm going to let you answer this one first. I answered in the Slack channel. So I think anyone who is following the channel knows my thoughts on it. And it's a uh, kind of just direct gut response. But I'd love to hear from you. And then I'll extrapolate my answer from the channel.
0: I hate to give kind of like a... <laughs> a non-definitive answer to this one, but I think it depends so much on what works for you. Um and and it kind of goes back to what we were saying about like uh you know what channels to apply to. It's like if, if you are a company that has sort of solved paid search, for example, and you've got positive ROI, well, then just put the money in there. That's a money printing machine for you. Mm -hmm. Uh, You know, if you're someone if you're a company where a a large number of your deals come out of direct mail, well, that's another direct mail campaign you can run right there. So I would say look at the data, hopefully talk to your demand gen person, and they they should have that answer ready to go um, for your business. Uh, But there's not one blanket answer that that I would give right away to spend spend $10,000.
1: Yeah, that was very similar to my answer, which was it depends on what you've done so far, how much you've already spent and what you got out of it. Um, but I would give the exact same answer. And we did that with ours where I came to my team and said, all right guys, so it looks like all of these amazing plans we had are now a new opportunity for us to look at our budget, um, what's working. Like and And so we were able to look at certain channels that we knew I could confidently double down on right away. And see if those keep working. And obviously, we—I ha- think a lot of industries had dips in like March, February, March, April time period. Um, so we did. Uh, we didn't really cut anything, but we didn't double down until we started to see organic pick back up um, and see some of the deals accelerate again. Um, but it was really easy at that point to just say, "All right, double down on those channels," uh, and then maybe we'll have some fun uh, with some of the other some brand money and see if we can try a new channel from there. Cool. Yeah.
0: Well, those were just uh, a selection of the many questions that get asked and answered in the ask marketing channel. Um, so certainly encourage those of you who are members to to throw them in there. Um, and, uh, and maybe we'll read it on, on the next show, episode two, um, coming the last Tuesday of October.
1: Yes. Uh, and thank you to those of you who added on questions as we were going. That's fun.
0: Yeah. Well, our next segment, um, and I'll admit to having borrowed this one, as any good marketer does, I like to borrow from from other uh, existing podcasts, in this case, since we're sort of a a podcast slash webinar slash virtual event. Um, And that's copying. (laughs) And that's, yeah, and that's what are your thoughts? Um, And so these are just kind of a selection of some conversations, some stories, articles that have been going around. in sort of the marketing zeitgeist, I would say. There's my SAT word for the day. Um, but yeah, let's just kind of—I just, you know, kind of curious. We both threw a few in here, and, and kind of just wanted to get a visceral reaction to, to 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 what the story is. And the first one here is—and uh, you stole an awesome image for for our promotional post on it. Uh, but it's on on marketing campaigns centered on voting. Um, let's and I'm gonna talk say- about
1: this. I so visceral is such a good description of my reaction. Um, for those of you in the channel, I did share one of these voting marketing campaigns and it was from OkCupid. Um, it is a yard sign. They're trying to make hashtag Vilf a thing. And I don't know what this particular show is rated, so I won't spell that out for you. <laughs> um, but for those of you unaware with the acronym, just look it up, you'll figure it out. And then I'm sorry for making you Google that. Um, but so there there are a ton of brands right now trying to capitalize on the election cycle um and this particular one made my stomach turn uh just because it i don't know why such a harsh reaction to it but like i can't imagine like voting is not sexy and let's not try to make it sexy like yes it's important hugely important but is it really something that like you're scrolling through a dating app and you're like oh man, that guy votes. (laughs) 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 That's my reaction. I don't know. You may have had an entirely different reaction. You're like, this is brilliant. I don't know what you're talking about.
0: Yeah. uh, Yeah. Well, I'll admit to a similar reaction when I saw the sign, just because of course I do know what the acronym is and just playing that out sort of made me kind of turn my head and say like, (laughs) is that really what you're trying to say here? Um, But uh, I think I had more of a broader reaction to just the general idea of you know, marketing that centers on turn events that in a lot of cases, I think have nothing to do with our businesses. And I, I think there's sort of the part of me that is like the strategic marketer of like, yeah, let's hitch our wagon to that. Let's lean into something that is already getting a lot of eyeballs and see if there's something that makes sense that we can do. And we've done a little bit of that. Um, Hey guru, um, but but then yeah, I think there's it's, so it's to me it's much more of a spectrum. Is like you, you, you got to find what what is a reasonable fit for your business um, and your brand especially. Um, and so while you know uh, referring to your potential prospects as Vilfs might not be uh, on the spectrum for for me as a B two B marketer, I don't know if you know that choice is is in the hands of those uh, the the Cupids over there. So. Um, I don't have a strong opinion one way or the other. I think, you know, probably one just rule of thumb is like, is this a campaign that you would articulate verbally to another human being? And if you were walking up to someone and saying like, hey, are you a vilf? Uh, <laughs> that conversation probably wouldn't be the most uh, positive. I mean, who knows? Maybe it would. But but yeah, I, I would think for...
1: <laughs> So... There's some, there's some brand power to it, I guess. I am sometimes jealous of brands who have that kind of leverage. So like you think of MTV or Nike or the NBA, like they have very powerful brand voices and they have social platforms and they use them so well. Um, what sometimes when B2B companies try to take that stance without earning the brand equity first, it comes across as very shoehorned and awkward. And so I think if I'm going to give some unsolicited advice to folks listening and to you (laughs) and anyone who will listen to me um, is uh, don't try to shoehorn it. Like if, if you've built up that relationship with your audience and that's something that they feel you've earned as a right to speak into something more personal to them, then by all means, go for it. Um, If you're out there and all of your messaging has been around like AI and automation and how it's the next big thing in regulatory compliance, I wouldn't jump right into like a really cheeky voting campaign because it will look like it came out of nowhere because it did. (laughs) And it might be a little awkward. It might backfire on you.
0: Run it past the person who's willing to be honest with you. And that may not even be your marketing team. It might be someone on a different team. It might be someone who is not even at your company. But if you get that sort of head tilt that I think we both described, uh, then you might know that, uh, that that one may not be uh, the perfect fit for you.
1: Scrap it. I do often Im- imagine people bringing ideas like this to board, like a boardroom. Like like when Fort or when Epic Games went after Apple, I was like, what was that conversation? Was it like, so the lawyers are bored. And here's what I'm thinking we spend millions of dollars backing out of our contract with Apple. And someone was like, brilliant. Let's do it. Spin it up. <laughs> someone write a check. Like, I don't good. know what that conversation was like.
0: I'm sure it's, it sounds like a Dilbert strip.
1: Very much so. That We need to add, we need a comic strip that goes along with this meeting. I don't know what we're thinking. For
0: illustrators, uh, please apply. We'll share our LinkedIn sure. at the end of the, end of the call. <laughs> Um, the next one on here, the billionaire who wanted to die broke. I don't know how many people have seen this story, but uh, sort of the short of it is there, there was this billionaire who had accumulated an enormous fortune um, and he was able to give it all away. And, and now he's, he's in his uh, sort of later, later, later years in life, he's given away 99.99% of his wealth um, and done an immeasurable amount of good for the world in that way. Um, and is now living in a small apartment in San Francisco just uh, hanging out with I think he's still got a couple million bucks left so he's I not not worried but
1: is still leaves with quite a bit of money.
0: I just thought it was it was kind of a cool idea and and though uh, I, I don't think either of us are billionaires yet. Um, just curious kind of yeah what would what what would you do if uh, or where would you take your your wealth and distribute it or um, yeah what was your kind of general reaction to this?
1: Yeah, I mean, obviously the title is great clickbait because I'm like, what? What did he do to squander all that money? Does he have a gambling problem? Like my mind immediately goes to the worst possible scenario. Um, for me, I don't. I started my career in the nonprofit space. So there's still a part of me that has a soul and is very idealistic. Um, but I think there are a lot, because of that, there are a lot of organizations that I care a lot about. Um, and so... Even like as my wealth would increase, I would want to continue giving, and if I were dying, probably find a way to make a really huge, meaningful impact, uh, even more so than I could while alive. Um, but do you think it's kind of sad that you would have to wait to feel like you're dying to do that? Yes. Like,
0: <laughs> well, I think we you spend years doing it, so of it.
1: Of dollars now, like that's still more money than most people need to live on. Could you give it away sooner? No judgment. I just. <laughs> <laughs> friend. Um, but yeah, I I would probably I would also love to just walk around and hand out hundred dollar bills on the street because it would just brighten people's day. It would be a pretty awesome way to start giving away some cash.
0: And you'd have that your wallet would be playing obnoxious music so people would know <laughs> to come find you for the for the free money.
1: <laughs> it would be a whole experience, an immersive giving experience.
0: Let's let's lightning round the, the last four on here. Um just looking at the clock. Um, so maybe I'll throw the ones that I put on here at you and we can go just real quick one thought on each. Uh does yep. B2B copy need to be formal? And by the way, all of these links are real links and we will share out um okay. some show notes afterwards. Um so you can, you know, check out the articles, the content that we're talking about.
1: Uh no, but it's only a matter of time before everyone sounds like gong. So please find <laughs> your own voice while you're doing it. Um it doesn't need to be formal, but it should be unique and it should represent you well.
0: Echoed. (laughs) Uh,
1: So the Disruption Con. This article is an entire article on how Silicon Valley and tech in general is hugely distracted by the concept of massive disruption in industries. Um, Go read it, it's a great article. Um, And I think at this point, at least in my career, I use disruption almost uh, cynically. Like it's a joke when I say it, a parody of itself. Uh, What are your thoughts on disruption and our fascination with it in tech?
0: I think kind of like you, I'm a bit cynical about it. I think it's sort of shorthand for, uh, hey, pay attention to us, Um, (laughs) media, please. Uh, Very much like the, hey, we're the Uber of, insert uh, your Madlib answer there. Um, It's just one of those things that is easy for a headline. Um, Here's the company that's disrupting X. yeah. So it's a bit it's a bit of a sort of a cheap <laughs> cheap marketing tactic. Um, you know, again, I guess probably it works for some companies and, and and there are media people who will pay attention to that stuff, but uh, I, I think as, a, as far as like holding its own meaning, it's it's been much diluted.
1: Yeah, I, I will say that when a company comes along again who's actually disrupting something, then I'll pay attention. It's just so overused.
0: Yeah, maybe and maybe that's it is who's who's actually using the word, right? Is it is it someone who if they have their business card that and they work for that company, it's probably not as as disruptive as as a third party.
1: No. Uh,
0: are you worried that product led growth will replace you, Marketer?
1: No, I am not. Uh, I think this was a Kyle Lacey Twitter question <laughs> um, because I saw it in Revenue Collective as well. Um, no, I'm not. I think it is a really cool movement. Uh, that has been around um, uh, under a lot of different names and banners uh, over time, Um, but I know OpenView does a lot of work on product-led growth and Westbush does a lot of work on it. So if you want to learn more about it, follow those two accounts on Twitter, LinkedIn, wherever you find content. Um, I do think it's a really, there are ways you can borrow elements from it for any type of sales cycle. And really, if you take it at the core of what it is, it's how do you build a product that adds value as the user uses it and reduce friction in their ability to get value out of your product. So I think there's a lot you can learn from it, even if you're not ready to go to like a full on self sign up freemium model.
0: Yeah. And I I guess, yeah, for me, the answer is no. Also, I think, you know, in in a lot of contexts, you see that the people working on product-led growth initiatives are marketers. Marketers, um, Sorry,
1: SDRs, you may be out of luck. (laughs) No, there's always room for you.
0: And how about this last one? This one was um, a controversial one on (laughs) LinkedIn. It got into the Rev Collective. It got into the marketing channels. Um, Marketing's job is to support sales, period. False
1: that's wrong. <laughs> I how, right how many different ways can I describe how wrong that is?
0: Yeah. Um, yeah. I think if you were to take it at face value, it's such, I, I, the way I, when I read it, I immediately thought that is, that is clickbait. That is looking for, uh, to, to stoke outrage, which I think is going to come up with in our recommendations, um, slide up next, but yeah, agreed. It's, it's, uh, you know, I think sort of a simplistic way to look at it is like sales are, marketing's job is to open opportunities. sales job is to close them. And yeah. so, yes, they we work together uh, to achieve their ultimate outcomes. But uh, it's not, you know, the way that you do one is not solely to support the other.
1: No, no, you could just as likely say, like sales, job is to support marketing. <laughs> so I think they should be mutually supportive, all in order to support revenue growth. That's my... Eloquent answer.
0: Totally. Let's keep the lightning round going. We've got a few recommendations um, for the audience. Uh, Yeah, we can just talk through. I I, I threw a few on here. You threw a few. I think the first three are mine. Uh, So, number one, The Social Dilemma. I haven't actually watched it, but everyone who watches it tells me this is all the stuff you say all the time. Um, And so, I think uh, totally worth a watch, uh, especially in 2020, where I think in lockdown, I feel like everyone's screen time and social media time has probably just organically grown um, in some cases beyond belief. So check that out. I don't know if you have any instant thoughts. I know I've actually delete, deactivated my Facebook and Instagram this year, um, just to kind of keep some of that under control. But
1: yeah, I have, I have not seen it yet, uh, but I do not have any social account that is not LinkedIn. So I'm probably not the audience that's going to be shocked by it. Um, I did work in legal and compliance tech, and uh, we did legal and compliance for major social media companies. So it's not a lot that would shock me at this point. Um, but it is is—it uh, is a fascinating premise. And I think it does overtake our lives a lot.
0: So. Cool. And then not to send uh, people down their own pandemic spiral, but I thought this was one of the best sort of uh, almost like an oral history, not really, but like a media history of Um, of how the pandemic has been handled in the United States, which I think was really interesting. It kind of points out um, some of the sort of black and white ways that the general public likes to look at things and how the the reality of the situation is. There are so many different factors um, that you really sort of have to do the right weighting to understand it, but it's a long piece. I thought it was really interesting. And my last one on here, uh, I have gotten into grilling pizza um on a cast iron pan and it has been phenomenal and i really recommend it for people as something easy to do uh, cheap and um and very tasty
1: yes i would love to come for dinner thank you for asking
0: <laughs> yeah <laughs>
1: um so i have two recommendations for those of you listening uh one as i mentioned earlier epsom salt like if you have an extra 15 minutes just try it out it's life-changing um I did not link to it, but that's what it looks like. Buy it at a drugstore near you uh, or order it on, I'm sure any major e-commerce site. Um, The second is Secret World of Jeffree Star. So this probably ranks somewhere between like soap operas and TikTok feeds in terms of like just actual uh, absurdity in terms of the content. Um, But if you ever wanna like, get majorly inspired by just new ways of thinking about marketing. This series is absolutely insane. And I'll just quick background because we have like five minutes left and I'm sure people have other things to do. Um, It's two YouTube influencers, one, uh, Jeffree Star, who's a cosmetics influencer um, and the other uh, Shane Dawson and he did like a conspiracy theory channel on YouTube. They became unlikely friends And decided that Shane was going to launch a makeup palette and that they were going to do this entire like conspiracy around the makeup industry series leading up to it. And they completely sold out the entire collection, like six million dollars worth of eyeshadow in the first 30 minutes of launch. They broke Shopify um, and just had like an insane series of launches after that. And all of it was a wrap because of the way they drew the audience in through that entire series. So it's not B2B marketing, which I think means we could learn a lot from it in terms of how we think differently about engaging an audience and having a personality.
0: So you've been trying to figure out TikTok, maybe a place to go to get a bit of a primer on some of the newer channels and and tactics. Um, Yes. Cool.
1: Yeah. All right. Nope, I accidentally clicked on one of the links. That's not <laughs> all
0: right. Well, uh, yeah, we had a, we just want to throw a couple plugs in here. Um, at Guru, we're giving away a, a Peloton bike uh, for anyone who's uh, you know maybe struggling, whether it's for pandemic reasons or for wildfire reasons. If you're here on the West Coast um, to get out and, and get some exercise, uh, I know these are much loved, and uh, and we're giving one away. There's a, a number of different ways to. I'll take uh, it. Enter. Just uh, yeah, click 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 the picture uh, when we send out the the recap.
1: Awesome. Um, And SearchSpring is hiring, we're hiring a ton of different positions. Like I said, we've doubled the company this year um, and doubled growth. So we have a lot of open positions. Uh, You can find it on our website at the careers link, SearchSpring.com. Especially product marketing. So if you know of any great product marketers, I wouldn't be a good marketer if I didn't add a shameless plug for growing my team here.
0: Awesome. And then I think we're gonna do a quick PSA for members of the Rev Collective um, and have invite Rachel um, on, on my team at Guru, Rachel Robbins. Hey, Rachel.
1: Hi, thanks for having me, Wes and Joanne um, and allowing me to give this PSA. Um, I just wanted to let everyone know that uh, if you have any Guru questions, Guru is installed in Revenue Collective and you can access it from Slack. This. Uh, Slide shows you exactly how to get to the recap card that will that is already published there You just type slash guru and then your search terms which are ask marketing recap Um, You click read card and then you are there you can view it right there you can also just you can also post to the channel if For any question that someone else answers, you know that there's a card in guru. And that's about it. If you have questions about Guru, definitely reach out to me in Slack. Awesome. Thank you. I will do that. I have so many
0: questions. (laughs) Um, and then just some, yeah, some recap stuff here. So, uh, you know, we've been, we've been plugging the ask marketing channel at the revenue collective. There is a link here to sign up for RC. If you are not currently a member, um, put a couple of the cards there. Um, that Rachel has put together for us to help people get started in Revenue Collective, Guru, and Slack combined. Um, there's also a really quick and one of, I think, my favorite ways of using it is to uh, to capture knowledge in the moment. And so we get, like I said, many amazing questions and, and conversations in the channel. Um, and uh, we can just, with one button, uh, and so if you just put the Guru emoji on the, the message in the channel, um, it'll actually kick it off into a queue for um, someone on the Revenue Collective Guru team to uh, to capture it for posterity, turn it into a guru card um, that everyone in the channel who maybe didn't see it in that moment, or maybe hasn't even joined Revenue Collective yet, um, will then have access to the next time they, they come in and they ask that question, someone can just serve that new card up to them and they can get all the context, all the information that they may have missed um, live. So feel free to ping either of us. Um, those are our Slack handles in the RC guru um, for any help. You wanna bring us home?
1: I would love to. Um, So we would love to hear from you guys how we make the next show even better, the next conversation even better, what topics you wanna hear about, uh, suggest a guest, yeah. (laughs) Great. Um, Reach out to both of us on LinkedIn. I love connecting and continuing these conversations. It's why I'm part of Revenue Collective because I get to talk to a ton of amazing, knowledgeable people. Um, We will continue this series on uh, the last Tuesday of every month. Uh, You can check out the next shows in the link here. We'll also be sharing it on LinkedIn in the Revenue Collective Slack channels. uh, And probably be blasting it to all of our friends and family to make sure we bring those numbers up. Um, But want to thank all of you for joining us today, uh, for trusting us with an hour of your time. I know it is precious. Uh, And for those of you who contributed to the conversation in the chat, I really appreciate it. Have a wonderful Tuesday, and we'll talk to you next time.